Good evening and welcome to a, another edition of the Millwall Calling. Um, hope you're all well. Hope you've uh, enjoyed the last couple of days of sunshine. Um, and looking forward to tomorrow night, we have obviously a game at the Den for the under-21s. But um, good evening then to my co-host for tonight. It is going to be Stephen and Nubi Dan. Um Whichever one of you two want to come in first, mate. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Um, hope everyone's well. Um, I've just purchased my ticket, speaking of tomorrow night. I've just purchased my ticket for that. So, looking forward to seeing, uh, hopefully, a few goals down the den tomorrow, which would almost be a nice change in a way. Absolutely. And uh, and some lads would like coming from behind, shall we say. So, yeah, Stephen, good evening, fella. Evening, Mickey. Evening, all. Um, it's nice to have a, a get another game to look forward to. I was saying earlier that the season, whilst obviously we know it's not the first team, but the season's kind of extended a little bit. It's nice to have one more game to look forward to. And and for anyone that's there tomorrow, um, a lot of the pod guys are there, aren't we, Mickey? So um, c- come say hello. Yeah, near enough. All of us, are, I think. Um, so yeah, it'll be a good game. Uh, me and Omar are definitely there. You're there. Um, I don't think Ben's there. I think Ben's the only one. But yeah, all good. Right. What we're doing tonight is uh, we're going to talk about plenty of things. But first of all, we're going to go through uh, this week. Mill um, sent out on Friday their uh, confirmed their return or their retain list um, for the 22-23 season. Players, obviously, who they're going to keep, who they're not. Um, And to be fair, fairly disappointed um, to be fair, it was sort of well known. Um, so Malone left back for us. Uh, he leaves after um, a couple of spells at, at SC16. Uh, a total of 189 appearances, 14 goals, and uh, he played 33 times this season. Um, and he is uh, not being contract being renewed this season. And the man of glass, uh, Bennett. Uh, again, he's clocked up 103 appearances since his time with Millwall. Um, and he's found the back of the net 11 times since joining, uh, if you remember, initially on loan in January 2020. Um, the rest of them, obviously, Ryan Leonard's been offered a new contract uh, and there's ongoing discussions there. Uh, Connor Truman um, has been offered fresh terms too. Doesn't really field in the in the first team for now, but he's uh, he's been offered new. And Charlie Creswell, Jamie Shackleton, Callum Styles, Ollie Burke, um, they have all returned to their parent clubs following the conclusion of their loan spells. Um, I don't know if it's just me, lads, who are who are now. But obviously, um, anyone else who's listening, you know how it works. Bottom left hand corner, just press your request to speak, and we we'll get you on. Your opinions matter. It is a live call-in show. Uh, the only rule is don't slander anyone. Other than that, knock yourself out. It's a grown-up show, so uh, you can use proper language or, or Bermondsey language, as I like to call it. Um, so, yeah, lads, um, I don't mind which one wants to go first. Um, are you shocked by the retain list or not? Um, the only way I'm maybe shocked is that 
maybe there isn't a few more players that have been moved on. Um, I certainly read in the build-up to it that maybe um, George Evans was out of contract. That doesn't appear the case, which is a shame. Um, but he's someone we need to probably be looking to move on um, going into the summer, I think. Um, Bennett, I think you touched on it perfectly there, Mickey. He unfortunately just can't string a run of games together, um, which is a shame because he is a good player at this level. But if we're going to be uh, carrying a thin, a thin squad, um, we need players that are available most weeks, um, which is almost a bit contradictory when I say I, I think Leonard should have his deal extended. But I do think Leonard on his days, one of our best players and possibly for the unique skill set he has, he's maybe one of the best in the league at what he does. Um, Scott Malone, I'm not upset he's gone. It's a bit of a weird one. I thought he probably maybe should have played a bit more in the season, considering I didn't think personally Murray had had a great season. Um, So that was interesting. Um, so maybe there was something going on behind the scenes there. So overall, the only real shot for me is the fact that it's just them two that have left. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I mean, obviously with the, the under-21 set up, um, Alfie Allen, Tyrese Briscoe, Jordan, Gilmore, Arthur Penny, Ryan Sanford will depart from the club's under-21 set up with um, Abdul Abdul Malik, Nani Botan, Seb Drawds and Joe Wright are all being offered new deals. Again, we, a couple of them are known to us. Uh, a few of them aren't. But no, allegedly, so uh, I've heard, is that um, Evans, um, and it's not the same George Evans who's playing for the under-18s, but um, Evans is uh, has got another 12 months left on his contract. So that's looking, when we signed him, that, what, a three-and-a-half-year contract? I think the thing is with the retain list and where George Evans is concerned, it just goes to show that nobody really has any idea on Mill's dealings. And even, you know, you look on the websites, you know, like transfer market and, and things like that. Nobody really knows how much we pay our players, how much, you know, length of contract they get given. Because I think if you'd have asked every Mill supporter or a portion of Mill supporters, is George Evans out of contract at the end of the season? Without really knowing, most people would have gone, yeah, he must be. So I think it just goes to show how quiet we are about our business. And and on the point of, of the, of you know, we'll stick with Evans. I think it is disappointing to see that he's, he's still at the club, which it's no disrespect to him. It's just, I think he's somebody that's clearly not going to play. He's clearly not in, in first-team squads. And to see him still at the club, I think they will be working hard, him, his agent, the club, to, to find him a new club, which would, which would suit us all round. But um, similar to what um, Dan said, I think it's right that Ryan Leonard has been given a, 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 a or at least been offered a deal I know he uh, divides the fan base and opinions because he does get injured a lot and I know I have a big thing about utility players but I think there's certainly room in the squad for at least a couple and I think Leonard is someone that that can can bring a lot but the retain list is is interesting because it, it it's there's players and people will be disappointed with certain people still being at the club you can't just get rid of players if they're under contract 
it just doesn't work like that. You have to have, find someone that, that wants them or their agents have to. So whilst this is the first kind of trim down, I think give it a next couple of weeks and you'll you'll soon, soon see other players looking to leave or leaving because they, they'll have found a home elsewhere. No, I totally get that. I mean, the other thing as well is like what you said at the beginning there. They seem to keep everything they do at Millwall very, very under wraps. So... Um, even even when I was, you know, close to them, I, I didn't have a clue what people were paid. Um, I saw some of those lists what come out occasionally telling you how much players were on. And I put that to the club one time and I said, you know, how accurate is this? And they went, it's it's so far away from the truth. It's unbelievable. And you just think, well, where, where are they getting? Someone's just basically looking for the accounts, getting what the wages are. And literally picking numbers out the out the sky to go. Well, he's the better player, so he's probably going to be on this. I still think there's there there is a a wage cap at, at Millwall on percentages. I think there's probably a lot of bonuses and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I don't think in the latest one will come out. I don't think Vloggy or or Burke was on eighteen grand a week um, for love nor money. Um, and I don't think some of the other players, I don't think Bury's on more than um, Danny and stuff. So some of the figures are, are laughable. But it, again, that goes back to the to the length of contracts. Again, you you don't know how long contracts are. Um, you know, look at Cooper. A lot of people thought Cooper was up. There was a, a few of those clickbait sites what was promoting that, you know, Cooper was up, his contract was up this year when... You know, we sort of know that he signed the contract extension and working it back. And actually, it's not up um, till next year. So, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, we're, we're, we're go. Um, I suppose a question for, for you guys tuning in as well, if you want to get, board, get on board, you know, just click the uh, request to speak. And also, I'll come to you two guys there. Out of the players what are left, is there anyone there who you would have... Forget about contracts as such, just, you know, sort of thing. Is there any there that you would have liked to possibly move on? Um, I've got the squad list up in front of me now. I'm of the opinion you don't need Long and Bielkowski because I think we need a new goalkeeper this summer. So I think you can move one of them on at least. Um, Evans, we've just touched on. Um, and as well, kind of looking in the... In the attacking areas, I maybe wouldn't mind if if Vogel Sammer left. Um, but you know, maybe maybe Gary Rowett's touching it. You know, Gary Rowett thinks he's going to be um, a bit better now. He's had at least one season of English football under his belt. Gary Rowett actually said when he signed the new deal, he he thinks he could get double digits next season. So, you know, but I haven't seen that from this season. But I I think there's at least a couple of them that um, could be moved on. I mean. Long and Long and Bars both signed new contracts in January, didn't they? Yeah, and that's what concerns me, especially if they've offered Truman fresh terms as well. They clearly don't think goalkeeper, or it looks like from the outside, goalkeeper isn't a main priority for them this summer. Yeah. Um, I... Whereas for me, it should be one of the more important issues to address. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, there was a rumour flying around this week, potentially, that Bart might end up going to Ipswich but I can't see it and if he does he'll only be a number two there because their keeper's mustard isn't he yeah their goalkeeper's brilliant 
Um, I think he was played for Brighton when he was younger. So, you know, they and we all know how Brighton are doing at the minute. They have quite a high pedigree of players and youngsters that come through. So, no surprises there. So, yeah, if he goes back there, he's only going to be a number two as well. Yeah, Stephen? Uh, it's an interesting one because I think if you look at if you look at the I'm only going to for now I'm only going to concentrate on the first team players so if you look at those players I would say probably I mean George Evans is is, is clearly the the obvious one I think having both goalkeepers who have signed a new deal you touched on that earlier they did sign so that I think they're here for at least another season I think that causes us a bit of a headache um, because if Bilkowski doesn't find another club and he does have a problem with his knee, it means he's not going to play. But then that means we've got George Long for the season, which he, you'd like to think can improve and they can work on him. But based on this year, it's just going to fill the supporters with, well, it's not going to fill them with any real confidence, is it? If, if he's the number one goalkeeper come the first game after what's happened this year, that there are going to be questions asked. So I think having both of them tied down causes us an issue. I wouldn't say there's too many that perhaps to, to move on. Um, if an offer comes in for someone like Tyler Bury, I think I would certainly, providing that obviously it's 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 a reasonable offer. I'm not talking millions and millions, but but something for him, I would I'd look to accept that. Again, Evans is is another obvious one, but but the rest of the squad, the rest of the first team squad, I, I mean, realistically, all of them are the same as this year, apart from Alex Mitchell. We can't really judge him without seeing him. So I, I don't think there's too many. I think it's just a case of you you look at the loans that have gone back and, you know, four players that arguably would have been in the match day squad. If they were all fit, all four would have probably been in the match day squad um, for most of the season. So you're looking at already needing four players to, to add in, which... Um, is a little bit concerning because I think we're going to need even more than that, but it's now a minimum of four at least. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we've been discussing a lot of the players who we need or who we think we're going to need and all that. All you know, most of the most of the season and shows and stuff. And I think there's there's some players who we'd already showed interest in last season who would be good to go. I mean, I mean, if Chris is having. If Chris is listening now, he's probably fucking going to get all excited and have to touch himself because we're going to mention the Rotherham um, lad who he absolutely thinks is is fantastic and should come to us. We've also got the Dutch player um, who we looked at last season and it was just too hard to get him here because he was on he was on loan to another club and to get the loan cancelled, they didn't want to cancel a loan. And his parent club didn't necessarily want him to loan out again. That that could be there could be some legs. I think it's a power of um, of Fleming. So hopefully, a lot of the stuff we were looking at last transfer window, what we couldn't necessarily get out of the ground or get off the ground. Hopefully, some of those are a bit further along, and we can find ourselves some decent players who will fit into the team. I think the one thing that me and and I'm sure other supporters, there's always players out there that you look at and you go, oh, I quite like the look of him. I, I, I quite like the look of him. And, and I'm just going to use one player as an example to the point I'm going to make. I really thought that the fella that Blackpool had up front for them in the game um, 
what we played on that Friday night, the Jerry Yates. I thought he looked really good, had a bit of pace about him. He scored 14 goals in a side that's been relegated from the championship. So clearly knows, you know, feeding off scraps and, and can, can finish. I would love us to sign someone like that, a forward that scored goals at this level. But we have to realise, and, and fans, again, I know it's really hard because you want you want to sign good players, you want to be signing, you know, and improving the team. But just looking at that Jerry Yates, he has played the pre- predominantly the majority of his career right up north. He's never ventured anywhere near anywhere near the south. So I think when you get linked with players or you see players that get that become available, they might not want to come to London. They might not want to relocate. I mean, and we don't know that. We don't know those conversations that go on. So sometimes when players, and, and I think the other example is Ashley Barnes. I saw a lot of people say we should have we should have signed Ashley Barnes or been in for him. He might not want, he's, he come from Burnley, he might not want to come down south. And I think sometimes we have to be realistic on who we might want, but do they want to come to us? Do they fit? with us and I think it's easy to get caught up with we should sign him we should sign him but but we have to have to take into consideration that they have to move their lives as well no I get that I get that and they get paid a fucking good lump of money for it so you know I understand that especially if they've got kids it's relocation and family or or, you know leaving family out there but David um yeah, David's got a point go on fella what you got to say well yeah good evening uh, good evening everyone just on the uh, Jerry Yates uh, point Stephen I saw somewhere that um, the, the asking price for him is going to be around £4 million. Um, whether or not that's agent talk or whether it's an accurate number, I don't know. But it just goes to show that these players, even when they, even when he's playing for a relegated team, um, you know, they're going to cost a lot of money. So I'm not sure that that sort of price is the sort of price that Mill can afford to play. I think the other player, though, that hasn't been mentioned yet, who I think would be a good player for Millwall, and I know we were interested in him because Gary Rowett said we made a bid for him, was the Stoke player, Jacob Brown. And I think he would be a really good Millwall player. A bit similar in some ways to Tom Bradshaw, but I think he's got real class. And Stoke always gets so much money to spend during the, sum- during, during the summer that they're inclined to move on players. And I know he's very popular there, but it wouldn't be a great surprise if that was the sort of player that we went back in for this summer. And I think he'd be a really good addition. But I think, I mean, and then finally going, um, you know, going back to the Ashley Barnes situation, you're right, he is a Northern, but he's gone to, he's definitely gone to Norwich, which is like, you know, so, you know, it, it doesn't always work that way. But I agree, some players are Northerners and don't want to move, but a lot of players will move if the money's right um, and, 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 and they can further their career. It's not necessarily when I when I said that it's not necessarily that they don't want to travel to to London. It's more that you know I could turn around and say I really want us to sign Lionel Messi. That doesn't mean that Lionel Messi is going to ever sign for Millwall. It, it, what I mean is is that there's a lot of factors that go into it. That do they want to relocate? Are the wages right? Are they you know, have they previously worked under Rowett before or know what Rowett's like? <clears throat> you know, there's there's lots of different factors that go into it. I mean, I, I saw in the week that um, Ryan Manning from Swansea, they've they've let him go they're, or they're, they're letting him go at the end, you know, when the contracts expire. And, and I think he's an, a superb, superb fullback at this level. And you think, why, why are Swansea letting him go? But he could have turned around and said to the manager, or know now that Russell Martin is potentially taken over at Southampton and gone, no, I don't fancy this anymore. I want to go somewhere else. So 
it, there's a lot of different factors that go into it. And, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes people get caught up. You see a player becomes available. Oh, Mill should be all over that. But yeah. just because they become available doesn't mean that we can a, afford them. They want to come to us. And I, I think there's a lot of challenges that perhaps supporters don't see that go on behind the scenes. I'm sure that's right. But I think also Miller, although we've, you know, we've had our problems in the past in attracting players, and although our wage bill is quite low in comparison to most of the other clubs in the championship, we do have some advantages of, as well. And one of them is that we are well known for being a very well-run club, a club that's got stability. Yes, you know, we all have our moments with Gary Rout playing football that's not exactly the most exciting in the world, but, or not, well, sometimes anyway. Um, but, you know, from a from a player's perspective and from the perspective of someone coming in, you know, you've got a structure that isn't sort of, that, that is quite reliable, got a good team ethic, lots of players, obviously the dressing room is good. I mean, it wasn't there the last 45 minutes uh, mm-hmm. against Blackburn, but, but it, it seems that they, you know, they really hate losing and, and they're, and they're, you know, they're a good, good, good bunch of professional players. And I think that does count for quite a lot when mm. players are coming in. I'm not saying we're going to suddenly be able to get players that we wouldn't otherwise be able to afford, but looked at from the outside, I think Mill is quite an attractive proposition. We, you know, we're eighth last year with doing well as a club in, in terms of where we are in the championship. So I'm reasonably optimistic that, you know, we might be able to attract some pretty good players who, who recognise that, you know, coming to Millwall actually is, is is a good move in their career. I think, I do think just on that as well, it's not just a negative. I, I completely agree with you. There are, I think there are players out there that would like to play in London. London is a draw. We are, you know, closest the closest club to the centre of London, you know, people might like that. And and that does have an appeal. Yeah. And you, and get, a lot are... of, yeah, you get a lot of visibility. I mean, I think Fleming said something about that when he came over from Fortuna Sittard, you know, if you make it in London, you know, you do get a lot more attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot more media attention perhaps than if you play for a club like Rotherham or Barnsley or whoever. So there is that as well. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a factor. And also, I think that, sorry, Stephen, Sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, so just on there, um, it probably enlarges you. The benefit of playing in London is that uh, potentially your shot window is there. It's easier to get to to watch you, and also playing for a team like Millwall or a Championship League One team within London. <clears throat> in theory, it's cheaper games for people to get to, and they can, you know, they're not sold out games where they got to beg, steal, and borrow. Some of these scouts and stuff. And agents can turn up pretty much under the radar to watch a player and see how they're doing, can't they? Yeah, yeah, and and also, and also with the, the with that tying into to the London thing is that there are the appeal is there in the sense of I think a lot of players that come to Millwall talk about how you know the atmosphere, playing at the Den, um, the fans. There is there's obviously plus points. It's not just it's not just a negative, you know. Players don't want to sign for us. We don't pay good wages because there are there are factors that players do want to come and play for us. For example, you know Fleming Millwall made it crystal clear to to Zian Fleming that we wanted him. He was going to be the main man this season. Rowett, you know, pumped him with with all that information. The club Fleming bought into that. He signed and 
And to be fair, Rowett's been true to his word with him. He has tried to make him the main man. He has put him in the shop window. So there will be other players that Millwall would have identified. And if they do their job properly, they can attract them. It's just, I think, it's just not a case of every single player that becomes available in the championship that's any good or, or has had you know re- decent track record. It doesn't mean that we can sign them because it's not just a case of, right, go and get them. No, I think we need to look. I think we now need to start looking um, further afield. I don't think. I think the problem is with the championship and and League One and the Premiership and all that lot is that the Prem teams will put too much um, conditions on you getting a a starlet from them, telling you he's got to play first team football, he's got to do this, he's got to do that. Championship clubs believe that, you know, they want to charge premiership prices for players um, and pretty much, you know, to a degree with with League One, you look at, you know, £4 million for a black Blackpool player is just a liberty, really. It's a piss take. You're League One, you've been relegated. Um, to demand £4 million for a player is just crazy money. But if we go into the Belgium, the German, even some of the French leagues, you you know, um, Dutch leagues, you've got some great players out there what could probably do a trick over here and and score. I mean, listen, we've done it with Gregory, we've done it with Morrison. Um, I would I would look at that um Newport um chap who's who's had an unbelievable last three seasons. There's another I can't think of the other kid, there's another kid um, it might be him actually. Who's is it Macaulay Longstaff? Yeah, it's yeah. Macaulay Longstaff. Yeah, yeah. But the trouble with you know, we do get the odd one. I mean, Morrison's a good example. He came from Stevenage, although I think he was at a he was at Northampton, wasn't he, before he went there, and he he, he didn't quite make it, and he went out to non-league and then came back to us. And remember, I think when Morrison came, we were a League One. We he he joined us. I think when we were in League One and was able to mature, I think there's a big difference. Championships really hard, even for a player like Macaulay Longstaff to make it. I think you're taking quite a, quite a risk. I'd be much more inclined to go down the sort of European route because I think there there are sort of more you know there are more bargains to be found actually. And I think because I think the standard is better and the players are more likely to have the necessary quality to make it in the Championship. That doesn't mean to say they can't get the odd one, but I think it's more of a risk to be honest. To go to go that low, and I think I suspect the club won't do that. I think they'll try and go to the to the to the foreign market again. I just hope that we don't end up getting. Oh, I I hope that we don't get age and experience over um, power and 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 youngsters because I think what we're we're screaming out for is some is some longevity in players who are going to play for three, four years so we can do a rebuild rather than fill ourselves up with loans where we're going to be in the same position as we are next season. I mean, you know, this season we got rid of what, including the two we released, I think we've got rid of about, what, six, seven? So we had, what, four go back on loan, didn't we? One, two, three, four go back on loan. Um there's rumour that potentially, if you look at Callum Styles' social media, there's lots of um, potential hidden messages that he might be coming back. Um, but again, taking the two we, we let go plus those four, that's six players what we're going to need before we even start running, unless 
he's looking to bring in some of the youngsters, the likes of um, Abdul Malik and and Nana Botan. You know, are we looking at bringing those? Also, is Alex Mitchell a championship player, or is he going to have to go back out and loan again just to to get some more? Because those people who have watched him said he's good, but they just don't think he's championship ready yet. Well, if Mitchell isn't championship ready, best thing, well, I mean, I'm certain the club's going to have to take a look at him um, during pre-season. The best thing we can do then is find where we want him to go online, whether that's maybe back to Scotland or whether that's maybe wanting to play in League One or in the championship. And then what you've got to do is try and find a player that you want to sign and you say to him, right, here you go, here's two million pounds or how much we value that player at and you can have Alex Mitchell on loan for a season to plug that gap who we're going to steal from you we need to try and be a bit more market savvy I think like that um, and just to pick up on a couple of points um, that a couple of the chaps have said who are speaking um, I do think David's right on the fact that I don't think the club will go for Macaulay Langstaff um, or however you say his name just because I think he's going to be I think they're going to want around £1.5 million for him which is a lot for someone who's never really graced the Football League I mean Jamie Vardy was a million pounds and that was about 10 years ago so and this bloke's outscored him so I think you're looking at at least £1.5 million. Um, and the second one was on Ryan Manning I think he's one of the best left backs in the league and if there's any chance we could sign him I'd be all over it but he's got form for not renewing his contract saying no I don't want to sign an extension he did it at QPR and that's why he ended up at Swansea and now he's doing it at Swansea and I'd probably put good money on him going to Southampton because he's a London boy as well so gets to play under a manager he wants and gets to relocate closer to his house Yeah I think that's a really out. I think I think he will go to Southampton. He's just the sort of player, you know. Obviously, Russell Martin going there is bound to, um, he's you know he's he's bound to be interested, isn't he? I would have thought. Um, so that looks. I, I'm sure you. I'm I'm sure you're right there, Dan. I'm sure that's going to happen. Oh, sure. I mean, I'm, that's mine. That's an educated. That's an educated guess on my part. I would say, Dan, just on your the, the piece about <laughs> Macaulay Langstaff. Um, I I will be amazed if he sold for 1.5 million on the basis that I think it's going to be more than that. And I think it's going to be more than that because there's going to be a host of clubs in league one and, and league two, and he may be the championship that are going to be looking at him because the numbers that he's got, the numbers that he's got are, are, are quite phenomenal. They are, you, you can't take anything away from him. And I think, I, I think he'll be more money than that. And that's why we won't touch him because I think, much like we discussed, you know, we, we needed a bidding war on Kay all those years ago or Morrison or whatever. If two or three clubs really want him, that price is just going to rock it. And I think that would be the reason why we don't we don't um, have a chance to sign him. Yeah. Yeah. I think for the money that they're going to want for him, I think it's it's too much of a risk. Um, I think, you know, if you look even, even by looking in League One, um, you know, I think you could probably get better value for money. Uh, one, one player I've put down on my list that I'd maybe like us to try and have a look at is Colby Bishop from Pompey. He scored 20 goals in League One this season. Um, so, you know, I think he could certainly do a job and he's a bit more of a target man striker than Bradshaw. So he offers us something a little bit different, which I certainly think we've lacked in the second half of the season. So I'd maybe, you know, with Pompey not, not staging a serious top six battle last season, I'd maybe like to see uh, Tester Walters with that one. I mean, where where are we going to be playing this? Not where are we going to be playing, but what are we going to be playing this new season? Are we going to be <clears throat> looking at a bit more of a 
a five at the back with wing backs, um, or are we going to be looking at going this back four? I mean, because that's the thing, he's got to be able to cement down the position or, or the positions what he wants to play going forward and then finding players what will fit that those different formations. Because the problem we had this year, he brought players to play a back five and then swapped to a back four and then obviously was, was coming up with difficulties once players become injured. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, I'm talking on the assumption and I'm sure I'm, I'm not going to speak for Dan or David, but I'm sure they might be thinking the same way, that we're going to line up very similar to how we have been the second half of the season with the 4-2-3-1. If that's the case, as much and as good as Tom Bradshaw has been good for us, he's got a lot of goals and he's put in a lot of hard work. If we're going to go with one striker with wingers and attacking midfielders to try and support him I think we do need to be looking at a bigger I wouldn't say a tall I, I wouldn't say a Matt Smith because I think you do have to have a little bit of mobility uh, to play that role I don't think there's anything wrong with a Matt Smith type coming off the bench if you're going to change a game that way but to start imagine what Morrison was like in his first season he was big he was powerful he you know he could run past defenders someone like that and for me, I would I would be looking at I, I think Ellis Sims. If Everton if Everton stay up, if they don't go down, which is a big if because you know next week it, it could happen. But I, Ellis Sims is not going to play in the Premier League. He he scored goals for Sunderland, and I think Sunderland were very unlucky that they that he was taken off of them because he was never going to go back into Everton's first team when when Dominic Calvert Lewin um, be, become fit. A player like that that can has got a little bit of movement who can hold the ball up, but like you said, Mick, if it Rowett has to, what he will, what he's got to do at this stage, whilst these lists are being announced and you know the season's still going on, he has to get in his mind what formation are we going to play, and then build the squad around that. Last year he got it wrong. This year we need to start better, and he's got to get it right. I think he was a bit unlucky in many ways. He said himself, I think, in an interview I read that. Obviously, in the second half against Blackburn, he was unable to go to the back five that he really wanted to play, um, which I which I think was, would have been his natural um, sort of tendency, given what he's done earlier on in the season. And as you rightly say, he bought it. He he, he built a side in the summer that um, didn't really fit in with the plans, but it worked out far better for him than I think even he would have dared to imagine. I think the main thing for him was that he was able to then use Fleming in a better way with just Bradshaw uh, up front and Fleming just behind him. But I think it's going to be a big issue for, for, the, for, for, for the management to decide whether they're going to get players in who can play five at the back occasionally. But I suspect we will go, we will continue with, with four, particularly at home, because he knows that, you know, to get the crowd going, playing five at the back and soaking up possession is is just you know you know really really upsets everybody and pisses off the crowd when we're not doing you know when we're when we're when we're when we're at home. So I, I think he will continue with the current formation, but we'll try and get in some players to play at five at the back if we have to. Yeah, no, I get that. I totally, I, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying there. Um, it's just interesting to see where we're going um, or where we're going because. You know, we, we did moan on quite a few shows, um, you know, especially in the second half of the season, that we all agreed and various spaces and everybody seems to agree. And again, if you want to get involved, just press your, the, re, uh, the request button and we'll get you on board to hear your views. But 
we did make quite a few mistakes in the transfer window and it's getting that nailed on this season and looking to make sure that we're set up properly and some of the, you know, get some decent sides on the pre-season um, and see how we're working and then go from there. But I, I think we need to look at Europe, especially now that we're, we're actively, actively looking out there um, because I just don't know if we're going to pay the money for some of these um, from from rival clubs. I just don't. I, I, I don't honestly see where we're going. I don't know if he's going to go for about four. I don't know if he's going to go about five. He could change it all up. Is he going to want to start dropping the hoof ball and play more on the ground? Because once we play on the ground, we seem to score more. Um, when we play over the top, we don't necessarily score the goals. Um, set pieces were okay. But my biggest concern is what we've raised quite a few times, and I'll be interested to get your guys' um, thoughts on it, especially David, as you, you know, you're, you're not on some of the normal shows, you, you, you come on the space. Is, um, do we need a striking coach as such within um, the first team setup? Because we don't really have an out and out striker um, teaching. I mean, when we look at um, you know, with other managers, um, you had Harris, who was obviously teaching other players how to do it and, and brought them on. But here we don't seem to have uh, an out-and-out coach to teach striking. We seem to be very defensive-minded, and you can see that on the team sometimes. Who who would who would you have him teach? I mean, Bradshaw did score seventeen goals last season, and he was our main our main striker. I mean, I mean, Bogle Sam. I mean, teaching Bogle. Yeah, but what I mean by what I mean by that is that we've got some cracking youth. Who oh, are, I see. Yeah, okay. who are who are potentially there, um, yet they don't seem to be coming through. And is that because we don't have? striker coaches to be able to develop them better in the first team than what they're being developed in the under-21s, under-23s. It, it, I don't understand what they're going to need to do to suddenly come through to the first team and get a, a good run of it in the first team. They're scoring goals in the under-21. Why can't they have an opportunity? I mean, Nana, Nana Botan was... He's what played a couple of first-team games... But then he, he was dropped and pushed back. I, I don't. I don't really know enough about how football clubs work in terms of coaching to know whether or not an attacking coach is going to actually make a huge amount of difference. It makes. It seems to make sense that it it should, and I, I, I imagine that it would only make it should only make players players better. And obviously, you do get coaches these days. I think Manchester City have got coaches for people who take throw-ins, haven't they? I mean, you can have a coach for everything. But I, I, I mean, I do agree that getting the under-21 um, talent sufficiently ready to enable them to, um, you know, to, to break into the first team is, uh, is, 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 is a priority for us. Because let's face it, we're never going to be able to, you know, to afford the sort of millions and millions of pounds that, all, that the majority of the teams in the championship can, can, can spend on players. But getting back to the formation point, I um, I think that, I think we did, you know, the funny thing is that I feel we did really well in the second half of the season, although the last 10 games are disappointing and really, you know, we shouldn't have, you know, we really, we didn't, we didn't really fulfil our potential. Everybody else was 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 failing as well. But at times in that second half of the season, we we played some really nice football. 
Um, and that was and that was with with Bradshaw on his own up up top. And I wouldn't be unhappy at seeing that next season as long as there was more there was more support and a and a bit of and, the, and a bit of variety because that to me was was probably a um, you know that was that was more enjoyable than some of the dross that we were was that was served out in the early part of the season. No, I get that, and I mean Stocky is um, has made a. a a messaged us on Twitter and he said, I'd like to see an offensive coach whereby teaching strikers patterns positioning uh, rather than all out striker, which again is probably a, a, a good call um, to them. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Stephen, what's your thoughts? We've talked about this before. I think it's certainly interesting because if you look at, for example, uh, I'm trying to think of like, uh, Hull away, Hull away. We had a lot of we had a lot of a lot of the ball, a lot of chances. We couldn't score, and that's down to the, that's down to the players. But there are other there are other games that come along where you we just don't look like we really know what we're doing in forward areas. It is it is hit and hope, and Gary Rowett must he, he stands he's quite an an animated manager. He's he's up off his off 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 the bench quite a lot, and he's always gesturing to his players and the, the officials and whatnot. But when he turns around and obviously maybe looks for a little bit of inspiration, he's got a former uh, rock-solid centre-half in Adam Barrett. He's got a former left-back in Paul Robinson, not Robbo, uh, our old captain. He's also got Robbo around an old-school you know, old centre-half. And it must, it must be interesting. I'd love to know what he must talk to, you know, when he's trying to change a game and, and what the, what the, what the, what the plan is, because they're not natural forward, you know, players. They, you know, Rowett himself was a left back, I think. And I would certainly, I certainly think bringing in an attack, someone, they don't have to be connected to the club. I think there are some standout, perhaps uh, people that could come to the club who were connected to us. Um, that, that could help us, but it's got to be something that that you know. I I always often used to think with Neil Harris, Neil Harris would have been the perfect manager for someone like Lee Gregory, for Tom Bradshaw, that fox in the box, the poacher. And I agree, Bradshaw's got seventeen goals this season. But and I've made this point before: three were in one game, three were in another. He scored two in two games, so ten of his goals come in four games which means seven of his goals come from 42. Would an attacking coach on the bench or something that they've worked on in training be able to seep out a few more goals? And, and it's hard to see that it wouldn't. Uh, but, who, who, you know, Rowett has his staff. He picks who he wants. I, I think it's it would be up to him, really. That decision is on him, whether he feels he needs that, not anyone else's. I mean, um, Adam White is messages and he, he's, he's getting what I'm saying. Our entire backroom staff, is basically defenders. We need to look at changing our style of play, um, which I agree. We've also got Cloud9. He said, trouble with us at the moment is Gary Rowe is a manager who doesn't necessarily like having the ball. He's very much a counter-attack attacking manager. Listening to a few ex-player podcasts, and they say exactly the same regarding Rowe. Unsure whether he'll go for it in an attacking, whether or not he'll go in for an attacking big man. Um. And again, you know, that's it's what we've said plenty times before about Rowe. Is I don't know where he is. I'm trying to look at these youngsters, um, but whoever it is within Millwall set up, um, or they don't show him. But someone's decided to reset all the um, 
all the youth players' um, stats. The, team, the first team ones are all there, but yeah, and also one for you, Stephen. Paul Robinson is um, the assistant manager in the under-21s, isn't he, mate? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Robbo is he's still someone that's around the setup. You know, the twenty ones, especially when they go to the new training ground. The, you know, Robbo's they're all going to be there together. That, that you know, he's, he's going to have an opinion. The the interesting on the point, um, I think that I think you said that, was it Cloud Nine that said about other yeah. players that um, you know Rowett's more of a counter attacking manager. I get that. I think we all know that it's quite clear for his tactics. We we can see how he is. But I do also think that Gary Rao in the last six months, maybe seven months or so, has just started to understand what it means to be Millwall manager and what it means to be associated with Millwall. And, OK, it didn't quite work in the last transfer window. And I'm not saying he's going to go out and change his, his philosophy just because he's starting to understand the club. But I think he would be very, very foolish to not look at what successful Millwall sides have been, even in recent history, you had Gregory and Morrison. You had Morrison and Harris. You had Morrison and Moody or, or other players, you know, Dickio and and, um, and Dion Dublin, other players that come in. But you had, there was something about those sides. They had the big man, little man. I'm not saying we go two up front every time, but he must, if he's understanding what it means to be middle manager, he's understanding the fan base a little bit more. He's starting to get us. Then perhaps he needs to change some of his philosophies to come away from just being a counter-attacking manager and look at what makes Millwall successful or what's made us successful in the past. Yeah. The only thing I'd say about that, Stephen, you're right. But when Harris in the first season that we got promoted and we, we did pretty well, I think we, I think that was the time when we got beaten by Fulham, wasn't it? 3-0. And that sort of ended our playoff hopes for that first season. We were incredibly defensive that season. It was terrible to watch us. I mean, it was absolutely low block football it is at its at its best stroke worst. Um, and, and and we really, we it was really quite, it was really pretty, pretty awful. It was just results, results driven. I can't see Rowett going back to 4-4-2 in the big man, little man way that, we, you know, we we we've we've had in the past. I think that kind of uh, footballing, you know, that kind of approach is pretty unusual these days, particularly in the in the championship. Um, and, and there are very very few teams that play four four two anymore, even even going all the way down to League Two. So I think we, you know, we're trying to adapt, and I think we're trying to progress. And although I agree that the football can be a bit, you know, isn't always as attractive as it should be. Um, I don't think we're going to go back to those to those days of big man, little man. No, I, I totally agree. Just, Stephen, sorry, one minute before you come on, fella. I'm just looking at some of the stats on our players. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's wrong, maybe, maybe not. But George Evans on stats looks as if he's actually been a good player for us. Um, 71% passing completion. 67 successful short passes, eight successful long passes, and 45 successful passes in the opposition half where he's got shooting of 100% accuracy and team play 50%, 14 jewels, successful dribbles. Are we, are, are we either someone's doctoring the figures here or are we just not seeing Evan's real potential? I mean, I, I, I'm not being funny, but you could put me on the bench and you could bring me on for the last five minutes and I can play a pass to me centre-half and I'll have 100% completion. So it, it, the stats, are, you have to look at minutes played as well, I think, when you look at stats, because it's very easy to, you know, 
I think one of our one of the other ones I've seen a stat that Jake Cooper has played the most short passes, and the reason why Jake Cooper's played the most short passes is because we spend half of the time passing it between Hutchinson and Cooper, and look, one of them looking for, for them to do something. So yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I think you have to you have to take into consideration minutes played when you look at stats, and I think that's why Evans are probably higher because he hasn't had as as many you know he's not had as many one hundred and seventy one minutes in all season. All season, yeah. 13, so thirteen appearances. So one hundred and seventy-one minutes is not even not even two. two full games, it's not it? even two full games. So if he's playing five, ten minutes at the end of a game, you know his his passing is probably going to look a little bit better than someone that's played ninety minutes. So I, I don't think I don't think I think look I don't think George Evans is is a real bad player. I just don't think he's someone that fits into where we want to be moving forward. No, I, I agree with you there. It was a shame because when Evan, when he signed, I actually thought it was in that COVID season where, you know, we could only watch everything through through the telly. I actually thought he, he looked a decent player when he first signed. Um, got, a, got a last minute equaliser away at Luton. Um, I still remember that. I was watching the game at the, uh, my work that night at Tesco. Um, so that was good. But, you know, since we've been down there, I think I could probably say he's had one or, one or two good games. Um, I certainly feel like, you know, for someone who was in Man City's youth team and was a big part of kind of derby teams when they were towards the upper echelons of the championship, I certainly feel like he probably hasn't delivered his full potential here. And, you know, I think it'll, I think we need to be looking at moving him on in the summer because I would imagine as well, coming from derby at a time where they were doing OK, I imagine he was pro- he's probably on some decent money. Yeah, no, I... I, I... Yeah, I think he probably is on a half decent money, and he's obviously got a, a good um, scout who's um, who's putting forward. But again, the other thing what jumps out here for um, with these stats and all that, where we're looking, obviously players what we've got rid of, and again, Adam Adam Wright Adam Wright Adam White has um, has got another message. He said, agree with what's being said regarding variety in our game. It's very much one-dimensional towards the end of the season. We really need a bit more possession. Wingers, um, aka Eiffel and Reedy, running at fullbacks and whipping balls in front foot football, which we don't seem to have. And Keno says, Evans is so underplayed, needs to be playing a lot more. Again, Adam, if, if, if you can come on, mate, click the request and come on. We'd love to hear your... Um, your views and, and get your opinions on bits and pieces. But for instance, looking at the forward lineup, what we've got now there is listed on here, there's two, four, six. But Burke's gone and Bennett's gone, which leaves us with Bradshaw, Watmore, uh, Vogslammer, and um, the Irish lad. We signed uh, Miku, who we signed in, uh, um, in January, obviously, who potentially could play for us and it could be an absolute starlet for next year. But if you look at our midfield, we've got fucking 10 midfielders. On on that, uh, before I come on to the midfielders, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing that Amaku tomorrow. He is one that I'm, I want, I'm, I'm interested to see, because we haven't obviously, we've seen him, what, five minutes in, in the first team and, it, you know, he's come off the bench and it's hard to to um to judge someone on that. So I, I hope he starts tomorrow and we can have a look at him because to see kind of what type of forward he is, 
is he, you know, a bit bigger and a, you know, a target man? Has he got pace? Is he getting behind? So I think he's definitely one that they've got high hopes for. And again, you can't put too much pressure on him. He's come from the League of Ireland, but I'm looking forward to seeing him tomorrow and hopefully he can, he can come in and show us what he can do in the first team next year. And, and with midfielders, I mean, we don't need to be signing any real central midfielders looking at who we've got. Um, at the club at the moment, or anyone that can play in the centre of midfield, because we we just we just don't need them. Um, well, I mean, take take some of them. To be fair, some of them have gone now. So we've got George Evans, Billy Mitchell, Zion Fleming, Tyler Bury, um, Shackleton's gone, Styles has gone. We've got Leonard Savile, Honeyman, and Essay. So we've got eight now because obviously two have gone. But again, we've got eight midfield, and we've got. Five, four, five um, defenders: Danny Mac, Wallace, Hutch, Cooper. Oh no, we've got four now because obviously Malone and Cresswell's gone. So I mean, looking at there, keepers we're good as gold with. Defenders we've now got four. So defenders are obviously going to be a position what we need to find. Midfields. I think we're probably all right with him. We've got, what, two, four, six, eight, eight midfield. And I would say that forwards we're a bit short on because we've got four forwards now um, than anything else. So, yeah. What you've just said there is another reason why Ryan Leonard's been offered a new contract. Because if we've only got four contracted first-team defenders, four contracted first-team defenders in... Yeah in the squad, that is exactly why Leonard has been offered a new deal because he can play at right back and he can play at centre-half. And also, if one of your midfielders does get moved on, a la George Evans, he can also play there. I know, and anyone of our listeners, I can't stand the whole utility thing, but it's okay to have a couple. I'm, I'm just saying that we can't sign like five or six of them over the summer. Um we all know, we all know where our problems lie. Our problems lie at the moment. We need to get in a couple of fullbacks. We need to get in a couple of wingers and we need to get in a couple of forwards. They are the danger areas, but it's, it's who you go for is the million dollar question. I think we could, we would always like a better centre midfielder, a better goalkeeper, perhaps another centre half to come in and challenge Hutch and Cooper. But we've got, we know the areas that we really need to strengthen on. And I think they have to be priorities. I mean, I, I really think that we do need another centre-back. Even if Alex Mitchell comes back, I'm not sure that he's going to be ready, really, for the championship. And I think Hutch, bless him, has had a... You know, he he, he didn't have a great last 10 or 11 games. And I think a lot of people have commented on the fact that had Cresswell been there, given his form before he got injured, um, I think Hutchinson would have struggled to get in the team. I think we definitely need another quality centre-back in addition to what we've got. That's my view on, on, on the centre-backs. Certainly, we need Danny McNamara has got to have some proper competition at right-back. Um, clearly, he had some good, very good games for us last season, but he also had some absolute shockers as well. And I think we need definitely some good competition in that, in, in that area. So those two, those two are pretty important pick, uh, positions as far as I'm concerned. I think what we've got to do is play our players who we've got in the positions they're meant to be played. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's you know, interesting you say that, Mickey, because like you know, you you look on. I'm looking at the club website now where they've got all the players listed. I'm looking at Callum Styles. To me, he goes into the left back category based on our squad, and I think he, you know, he, he seems to be playing 
quite regular at left back. So I think he goes into that bit. They've got Bury listed as a midfielder. I would personally put him more into the attacking bracket, although I think he probably needs to be moved on. And then you've got Honeyman, who can play midfield, but could also play on the wing. And some of the wingers have been put down as attackers and some of them have been put down as midfielders. So I think it really depends on where you see players that fit in. I think we need anywhere between kind of seven to ten players this summer. I'm not I'm not sure we're going to get those. According to some of the reports I've read, sort of, you know, there's this interview with Rowett saying quality, not quantity and all that sort of thing. So I'm not sure we're going to get as many players in as as I think we we, we, we think we might. Uh, whether that's a that could be that could be a problem for us, I think. I the player I really want us to get back though is Callum Stiles. I think he's a terrific player. And I think yeah. he's gonna be a and I think that even if we have to spend I don't know what Barnsley what what the option fee is, but if it's one and a half or two million, I think it's actually worth it because he he's got a great pedigree. Um, he was always very very well regarded in the lower leagues uh, by those that know those leagues very well, and I think we get great value from him given him his age. I think he's what twenty three, twenty four, something like that. That's one so, thing that we don't have at the minute. Like you know, other than other than Fleming, who actually has a bit of kind of sell on value in this yeah. squad. Not many yeah. players. It's something yeah. that we spoke about on a recent pod, how bad right. you are of recouping transfer fees. Yeah, yeah. I th- uh, yeah, I think Styles would be a great acquisition and definitely worth, he'd be worth investing in, to be absolutely honest with you. And he I, would, 100%. And I think from all that I've seen on this social media stuff, I mean, he looks as if he's, I think he never got into, I know, I know that um, it would have been difficult, but he's not in the Barnsley squad. He, in theory, could be. He's not our player. Um, and there's some rumours that he's just, you know, he's fallen out with that club anyway. So I really hope that we get him back in. He, lo- he obviously loved his time with us and he showed great quality. So here's fingers crossed on that, you know. No, I totally thought. agree. I mean, Stuckey's come in again. He said, I'd like to see a creative midfielder stroke winger replacement for long left back if Styles doesn't sign um, and another striker. Uh, Kino says Leonard had been offered a new contract because when fit, He's one of our best and most influential players. That will be the reason, first and foremost. Vers- versatility is just a bonus. I would which probably is, agree on that. Which yeah, I would definitely agree. Agreed. I don't think there's anything I mean, too controversial. What do you think about that position there, what Kino said um, a little while ago as well, is that Evans is underplayed and that we need to be playing him more. Do you agree or do you think... Uh, you're happy with what he's playing at the moment. I don't. I don't think he gives enough. You know. I mean. I've, I. The point is. I think Stephen pointed out. You know. He's played what or some. I think and Dan as well. Less than two. Less than two games into. In terms of a whole season. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is he doesn't actually contribute what we need when when he when he's brought on. If he's brought on in the midfield, he's very. You know. He seems to me quite unadventurous. Quite. Stolid. Often there's a miss. There's a there's a there, there is a misplaced pass. I don't care what the stats say. I've seen him hit the ball completely into the you know in in, in the wrong into the wrong area and and, and the pass isn't completed. Um, I just think if we need to improve, as obviously we do, we've just got to get a better class of player in in in, in that area. I mean, there's nothing wrong. With, he's certainly not even in my bottom thirty of Millwall all-time bad players. He's not a bad player, but he's just not. Good enough if we've got ambition to go forward. I mean, if we if we give Evans June, he's played 191 minutes, coming on 13 times. That averages out at under 15 minutes a game. You're not going to see anything from a player on 15 minutes a game, are you? Yeah, but 
But Rout's not an idiot in the sense that if he thought he was any good, he'd bring him <laughs> on, wouldn't he, for more? I mean, you know, I mean, you only, there's a... There's only, there's a said that when we well, were at the beginning of the season. Well, maybe, but, you know, things, you know, results, results change my views like they do everybody else's, I guess. But I, I can't, you know, if he, was, if he was good, he'd play more. And, you know, he's obviously not as good as the other players in the squad. So that's the reason he doesn't, doesn't get the games. And let's be honest, with our injury, uh, the injuries we were showing at the end of the season, particularly when you look at our midfield, you know, we had, what was it, had real problems. You know, we, Honeyman was out and various other people were out last couple of games. You would have thought that he would have got a start, or potentially if he, if if Brown had confidence in him, and he clearly doesn't. He was barely making the bench. He's exactly. Just, you know, and there's this thing like you know, if you don't see him in games, they have training sessions throughout the week. Clearly, you know, I mean, maybe we've spoken about like you know, I think we spoke about Shackleton. Maybe something had gone on there because to not be playing over Danny at times at the end of last season was very questionable. They do have training sessions. Evans, I know, I know we've got two George Evans, so it's a little bit of confusion, but. George Evans, the midfielder, who's in the first team, has played for the 23s a couple of times. And you've seen players play for the 23s and then play for the first team a few weeks later, either to gain match sharpness or they've gone in there and had a few good games. But he just doesn't seem to offer anything. And as I said earlier, he's probably on pretty decent money. He's one we need to try and shift this summer. But I don't see any other mate. Maybe a championship team might come in from if we're lucky on a free. Other than that, it's going to have to be a pretty well-off League One team. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Listen, if anyone else wants to come in, um, again, just press your request to speak. We've got about another 20 minutes, half hour or so. Um, so, yeah. Oh, I don't know who that Stephen is. Um, hello, Stephen. You are right, fella. Go on in and you come. Hello, mate. Stephen, go on, fella. Oh, hi, yeah. Um, really enjoyed the show, and it's really been interesting listening to everybody. Um, just to give you my bit of take on it, is that in theory we've lost six players. Um, two have not had their contracts renewed, four, four were loan players. Rout has also said that we missed out on a couple of players in January that we all know he probably needed to sign. So my view, he needs to sign probably eight players. And when he says he's going for quality rather than quantity, it should always be quality. So I'm I'm not particularly mad on that comment. I'm very unhappy with the goalkeeping situation because I'm I did stand by long, and I think in the end, I don't think he was up to it. If I would have had my choice, I would have picked Bart in the central uh, centre half position. We had Ballard, then we had Charlie Creswell. We desperately need someone. I don't know if Alex Mitchell is good enough. I haven't seen him. I don't know. But I agree with what David has said and a couple of others that um, probably Hutch is maybe past his best. He's still good. Don't get me wrong. Danny Mac needs some, definitely needs some competition. And he went bang off at the end of the season. No one's touched on Murray Wallace, who I like. But, you know, he, we might have seen the best of him as well, if we're honest. I think for, um, for attackers... Well, I know lots of people don't like Ollie Burke. I think if he plays and his motivate is quite good. We definitely need someone like him or as good as him. We can't rely on just Bradshaw. I, I said to you um, in one of your previous podcasts, I think it would come back, may come back and haunt us that we never signed another forward. And I know the stats, what one of the guys gave 
that he got two hat-tricks and scored two goals twice. He did all right, but he needed competition. We all, In life, you need competition. It motivates you. So we definitely need some quality strikers. And I think we need to sign... If it's Bradshaw on its own, I don't think we're ever going to make it um, into the top six. I don't. Think, I think next year is going to be very difficult. But that's neither here nor there. As I said, we've lost six. I think we need to sign eight players. And I never think a creative midfield player, someone that can put his foot on the ball, drop his shoulder, beat a man, bring a bit of charisma, I, I never think they got, you could miss out with one of those. And I think if someone's available, we should definitely go for them. I think Leonard, I like Leonard. I think Billy's good. I think Stavon's good. They're all a bit similar. To have someone that can put their foot on the ball and spray a few passes around uh, would be a good idea. But we definitely need eight players. That's my little... Uh... Stephen, one, we've had a comment come in. Um, they've sent it by DM, so I'll, I'll keep the fellow anonymous for now unless he says, yeah, he can mention me. But uh, we've had a message come in. On George Evans, I actually think he's quite good at centre-back. In midfield, he's useless, but he's much better at centre-back. And I think Gary Rowett will use him in that position this season instead of buying a centre-back when we need other players in crucial positions. What's your thoughts on, on that comment, Stephen? No, it's, he's not. It, George Evans isn't for me, to be honest with you. I think he's all right. And I think one of the guys said he's all right to come on the, off the bench. And his stats are good when, you, when he comes off the bench for 10 minutes. Um, but as, uh, was it Stephen or one, one of the guys said he can also part, part, pass the ball to the centre half? I'm no, I, I'm not for him. I don't think there's any improvement there with having him. I don't think there's any improvement having Volkshammer. I'm it, really interested that Gary Rout said he's going to get, did he say double figures next year? He did say that in an interview. I think it was after the Reading or Swansea I mean, the guy's, game. After I mean, he's 30 plus, isn't he? Yeah, he's 31 now. Why couldn't he have got, got six goals this year? Yeah, I, so I I'm not quite that. sure he, where he gets it returns. from. I wouldn't mind seeing the back of Volkshammer. I I'm not saying Evans isn't useful to have on the bench. He's all right. Personally, I would let him go. Um, no, I'm not. I'm just not a big fan. We need to progress. We've had all these players around us. We need fresh blood. We need new blood. We need, you know, a bit of blood and guts. And it's not going to be with George Evans. I don't think it'll be with Volkshammer either. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be with Murray Wallace. Not that I hate Murray Wallace. I don't. 100% effort he gives. But we might have just had our best of him. Do you think it's possibly this season is a season to possibly look at trying to bed some of our youngsters? Or do you think that if they were worth it, they would have been bedded already? Yeah, I, I think maybe that he would have... What he played, the last time he played Boateng, and one of you guys can correct me, I think was in the Crystal Palace Cup game when we lost 2-1, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Now, I think at that time, we had a phobie and Bradshaw. And I think we might have had yeah, Matt yeah. Smith as well. So, yeah, yeah. He did. So he gave him a chance then. But when we had, now I, as, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So we had three, like, first team centre forwards and gave this kid a chance. In fact, he brought Botang and Zach Lovelace on, I believe. Yeah, he yeah. did, yeah. But he hasn't given him a look in. He hasn't put him on the bench. And you know, you guys know, you've been watching football long enough. You put a guy on the bench, it gives him a bit of a, you know, a young kid. Gives him a bit of a G up. He's part of something. So, unless Rout doesn't rate him, 
and I, I can't make comment, but he was good enough two years ago when we had three strikers, three centre-forwards. Yeah. He hasn't been good enough for the last 18 months. And it's, uh, I'm gonna, I want to add on that point as well. If, if he isn't going to play, if Rowett's decided, no, I don't fancy him, but you know, maybe in a year or two he might come good. Rather than playing under 23s football, get him, get him out, out into League One or League yes. Two. Get him out on loan. Get him playing men's football so he can get used to the physicality and the speed and the pace of the game. So when he comes back to us, he's in the best possible shape and he's used to it. It's a massive step up from under 23s yeah. football I, and, to men's football. And all football. credit to Rout on, um, what's his name, Isaac Alofe, is it? Yeah. You know, we all had a bit of a go at him. Why isn't Isaac playing? He couldn't get in the Stockport team the weekend. I think he was the, I think he was a substitute, wasn't he? He was a sub in the first leg and then he started the second leg. And I, I don't think he's got many out. goals this year, has he? No, he hasn't. He hasn't hit the heights think, he did when he was at Sutton. No, I think he did. Didn't he score in the? Um, didn't he score for them? Yeah, but I think in I think that's only been his, I think that was only his third. Yeah, goal I think he's got three goals the whole season. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to that Cambridge game at the start of the season. That's right. Um, in, in the Carabao yeah. Cup, and you know, he came on, and you know, he, he looked, he looked like he had a bit of yard of pace about him. But I, I think he missed a couple of golden opportunities that night, and I feel like you know that was probably his big audition for the first team that night. And unfortunately for him, he kind of fluffed it. And you know, after that, when Afobe was still at the club, he almost didn't have a route back. And they'd already pre-arranged to sell him before January opened. Before Afobe then said, "Oh, I want to go to Dubai." Um, and then conveniently, a Dubai team came in for him, or UAE, wherever yeah. he's playing um, at the minute. The other question for you, gents who are on, and uh, the panel guys, and, and obviously the other two on there, because um, I think we're going to be talking about signing players and, and what positions we need from now till the end of end of time, <laughs> to be fair. Um because it's always the way and we're going to slag off who we sign because they're probably not going to be good. And, you know, our boo boys, what we have at Millwall, we'll be calling whoever comes on within the first three minutes of cunt anyway. So, you know, we, we destroy their confidence before they get built up anyway. But that is um, the Millwall way. My question to you guys are, how tough is the championship going to be next season with the likes of potentially currently... You're looking at Leeds, Leicester, um, Southampton coming down. Obviously, we've got Ipswich um, coming up. And then, obviously, the playoff. Um, who have we got? Ipswich, Plymouth. And then, obviously, the playoff between... Is it Bolton and... Yeah, for Wednesday and Barnsley. Yeah, for Wednesday or Barnsley. And Barnsley. So, you know, what's your what's your views on the championship for next season? It's going up. A, I think it's going up significantly. You look at the teams coming up for a start. Plymouth have just got above a century of points. That doesn't happen very often. Ipswich people are saying statistically they're the best ever team in League One and they've finished second. And then Wednesday have set a points record for a team not to get automatic promotion. You look at the teams coming down. Southampton have got a very young squad. You'd imagine quite a few of them will stick around. Obviously, I won't keep all of their players. Um, so, you know, but they've had a year in the Premier League and then they'll ha they'll come into the Championship now. Um, you look at Leeds, you know, they've got some really good attacking players. Um, you look at Leicester, I think Leicester it will be a, more of an interesting one, but, you know, they're still going to have some quality. I'm, I don't expect the likes of Madison and Barnes to stay, but they're still going to have quality. And it's the same with Leeds or Everton if they come down. They're still going to have quality and they're going to have parachute payments to spend money. 
So I think the league the, quality is going to go up a, a quite a bit next season. Isn't the money being spread out this year? Possibly. I I I. In, I read I read earlier on. Not earlier on, so I read earlier on that the, the the money's being spread out now. It's not going directly to the three clubs that come down. They get the lion's share, but it's going through the league. Is that not right? No, I don't think it is. I think it's going to be that's what that's what's planned. I think for not this season, but for about the next season or the season afterwards. I think I don't think it's going to come in. They this weren't season. talking about it, were they, David? They were talking about changing parachute payments because obviously it's very unfair to clubs like Millwall. I, I, I but, but going back to the main point, I, I, I think it's going to be a really tough league next time. I think the promoted sides from League One are very good. Um, funnily enough, I'm not as convinced about Plymouth as everyone else is. I'm, I'm probably going to eat my words and be shown to be a complete prat for saying that. I can be sure about them. I I'm can very understand sure that. Ipswich. I'm very sure about Ipswich. I think Ipswich are a good side, and I think they they will they will do very well in the in the in the championship. I think it's going to be really tough next next year, and I hope. My big worry is that we're going to have a hangover from the last ten games, and it's going to take us time to sort of recover from that. I hope. Well, I hope I'm wrong. I get the Plymouth point. Um, I'll touch on it quickly, just because a good mate of mine is a Plymouth fan, and they have had um, they've had five or six players in on loan over the course of the season. He said that they've all been superb. And I think that, that Barley Mumbury won League One Young Player of the Year. Yeah. They had a Zajin on loan from Villa, who was a quality player. So I do get that. But I think, you know, if they play their cards right again, you know, clubs will look well, at them as a team that have had players on loan before and will trust them. Yeah, they probably will get some good players. I mean, one of the funny things about Plymouth, I don't know if we'll turn this into a Plymouth podcast but the weird thing about them is they kept on coming back from being behind all the time and that shows me often a team who probably is punching above you know is probably the points tally is a bit too high but that's them anyway but getting back to the main point I think that as far as Millwall is concerned it's going to be tough wow this is sorry this is quite um, it was just something obviously what Stephen said and I was looking into it, it there, there, there was a, uh, a piece that come out towards the end of last month um from Sheffield Hallam University carried out uh, a study for the EFL to look at championship clubs from 2016 to 2021. Um, clubs received 233 million in parachute payments in the 2021 season, on average of 33 million per club. The average revenue of clubs without parachute payments was around 20 million. Clubs receiving parachute payments generated an average points gap of plus 16 in 2021 season, the average point gap over five seasons for clubs in receipt of parachute payments was 8.6. Um, clubs that have had parachute or have parachute payments are far less likely to get relegated from the championship than those that do not. And parachute payments obviously continue to distort the championship competition, fueling losses at clubs uh, who are simply trying to keep pace. This one's This is the interesting bit. The average finishing position in league table for parachute payment clubs during the five-year period looked at was ninth. In that time, 22% of clubs in receipt of parachute payments were promoted to the Premier League. And then it says this rose to 29% last season. And if Sheffield United, currently second in the championship, joins already promoted Burnley into the Premier League next season, that will rise to 40% of clubs 
However, it's understood that the Premier League has questioned the research to say that, you know, the, the Premier League are, are obviously saying that they don't believe that the parachute payments skew um, the championship, which, you know, they, they would fucking say that, wouldn't they, really? But um, it definitely does because it makes teams like us being unable to compete in the same way that, you know, the other teams can. I mean, you, you look at Norwich, you look at... Um, Watford. Watford and, and other teams where, you know, they've got players on more, they've got players on wages more than our whole fucking team. Yeah, but the playoff final this year, Coventry Luton. Yeah, this, this year, yeah. David, yeah. was an anomaly. I think this year was probably the worst championship ever. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not Definitely. just saying that. If you look at the teams that got promoted, Burnley got promoted, right? The other two teams that came down, were, as someone just mentioned, was Watford and Norwich. They were beatable and they were ordinary. We did the double o, o, over Watford. Next year, with the three teams that you guys have mentioned that are coming up, there's three quality teams probably coming down, although it's out of three or four. And then you've got teams like Norwich and Watford. You've got teams like West Brom, Middlesbrough and Sunderland. They're all big clubs. They've all got yeah, loads definitely. of money. Um, I agree. I'm not sure. And they've got a lot more. I mean, they've got a lot more. Fans, I mean, you look at you look at Ipswich. They were getting between, I think it's twenty seven and thirty five thousand home gates in League One, and now coming up, they're going to be doing sellouts every week, and that that generates money plus all the shirts, you know, the shirt sales and and all that sort of shit. I mean, everyone's bought a an Ipswich shirt, I think, this season because obviously Ed Sheeran um, sponsored it, but. You know, when you've got clubs coming up who are potentially earning that much more revenue than than you are, um, yeah, I mean, I think we're spending something like on wages is about one hundred and twenty-one pound or one hundred and twenty-two pound per hundred pound we're earning yeah. at the moment, and that's just us. Um, and you just think that we are probably one of the lowest teams at doing that. I've read that I think Burnley or one of the top the, the top tier ones in our league were spending like over two hundred pound for every hundred pound they earn on wages. Yeah, and we still lose twelve million quid a year. Yeah, and if it wasn't for JB putting in that money every year, we'd be banging trouble. So yeah, yeah, you know, um, it, it's it, it's again, it's 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 conversations we've had plenty of times about where we are, and I I adamantly believe that we are probably. 10, 15, probably 10 years behind commercially than um, than any other club out, you know, the other clubs out there because, you know, some places will sell Lou Roll Older sponsorship and everything else and we, we don't, obviously, we're not that level. And we don't seem to be able to attract big name sponsors. No no disrespect to, you know, Husky and, and some of the sponsors we've got on, but they are, a lot of the sponsors seem to be, sort of homegrown Millwall fans sponsoring the club, which, you know, is fantastic that they're investing back into the club. But when you look at teams like Newport, Newport is sponsored by Cadbury's. They give away the front of the shirt and Cadbury's put a bit on the back. But even even if you look at Wrexham, and I know they've got big name celebrities in there and it's all this big PR machine and everything else, but... They were sponsored by Experian. They were sponsored by TikTok. They, they, you know, that money, what they gained through sponsorships, and you know, allegedly, I listened to their CEO on the on the radio last week, and he was saying that they they sold 
um, about 25,000 shirts last year, and they put an order in this year for 35,000, which will do them up to Christmas. And then, obviously, they'll probably need to order some more. But there is no way in a million years I can see us selling 25,000 shirts a season. I reckon we're lucky if we shift between five and 8,000. Yeah, but that's also because there's a culture at Millwall, thank God, where we don't bloody well wear shirts when we go to the games. If you go to Ipswich, as I have been, because I've got a very good mate who supports Ipswich, and we, we always go when Millwall are playing them. Hasn't, we haven't gone for a few years, but we're going to be going this season. Um, every... Practically every blooming supporter is wearing a wearing a wearing an Ipswich shirt. We don't we don't do that at Millwall, and I'm really glad that we don't. Me and you um, both. I think so, members of so, my I think so that, members of the know, podcast will disagree with that. But yeah, but you know, I, I, I well, I, I don't know, but I I don't want to see everyone wearing Not a Millwall shirt. I, I think it's terrible. But 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 I but I'm, the problem is that then we're going to lose money because we're obviously not making you money questions on and answers yourself. That's why people don't want to invest. Because unfortunately, I agree with you. I don't want to see everyone wearing a Millwall shirt, but Millwall have still got that stigma that you know Green Street football hooligan. He's still got it, and it, and they'll probably always have it. I mean, last a couple Just of two to... weeks ago on YouTube was I don't want to say it was someone what was his name Ginger whoever it was doing a podcast about oh Mill. yeah yeah he made a fool of himself. And what yeah. you know, it, that doesn't do us any good, you know. Pete, just to no, clarify, sorry, just Got to clarify sorry. for the listeners, I'm not one of the, the panelists who wear shirts to games. I <laughs> have, I have, I have some of them. I play football six aside and for training, but I don't wear them to, to games. Um, no, no, I'm also with just, Stephen on that, neither do I. Hang on, before you come in, Stephen, just a quick one. Let me just throw some of the messages because I've gone a bit mad and I need to catch up with them. Uh, Cloud Nine says, um. Uh, Nana isn't good enough for the first team currently. Definitely needs a loan spell out first. We definitely need a couple of left backs and someone to challenge Danny Mack, goalkeeper and a striker or two. We no doubt use the loan transfers again. Kino says, being completely realistic here, we massively overachieved this year. Uh, the league was uh, of poor quality this year, hence why Luton or Coventry will be going to the Prem next season. We're going to be about 10th to 15th this year and won't be anywhere close to the playoff picture. Uh, Adam White says, I think the championship is going to be a much tougher. Uh, teams that were below par this past season will be better. And, um, and someone very close to Stephen, um, uh, Dean Jones says, would the sale of Flemings and the money raised be the answer to Millwall's transfers? If I may respond to my dad, who I can see is still listening, <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, Rowett come out in the week, didn't he? And made a point to say that we're not we're not a selling club. Um, Mickey seems to have a laugh at my comment back to that, saying, "No, we're not a selling club. We just let our players go for free." Which is so, true. Um, really? No, it is true. It is true. But um, I don't look. I don't think the answer would be selling Zian Fleming. I think if you got a ridiculous offer for Zian Fleming, then yeah, you have to look at it. You know, we're not silly. If, if someone comes in with like, you know, like a 15 to 20 million, of course. Well, there is, but... a, there is a rumour, there is a, listen, and it's come from the Yellow Tiger Brigade, so I don't put any oh, I don't put any, any sure credit. By rumor, Mickey. Yeah, no, I don't put any credit on it whatsoever, but um, 12 million Fleming to Burnley. Um, That's... I don't think that would happen, but you know that's not necessarily 
uh, an unrealistic price range, I would probably be happy with that. If I'm honest, uh, uh, see, see, I, I, I would go on the on the opinion of I think twelve million is is perhaps something that would interest the club, but I think they'd want to try and eke out a little bit more. But Rower has said his comment were we're not a selling club. Berylson doesn't want no. to be a selling club. So whilst selling Fleming would perhaps free up some really really you know big funds that we may we may need i can't see fleming being sold and that that just says to me that what they're going to do that the quality over quantity i think the, the other stephen on the show hit the now bang on the head every player that mill should be signing should be a quality footballer you cannot keep having these journeymen players and and you know someone said that George Evans is underplayed George Evans is a journeyman footballer he was brought in because he was a power of Gary Rowett and he wanted to just sign some players when he first joined the club we're at a stage now where players that walk through the door have to be they play in their proper positions we sign a winger to play out wide we sign a left back to play at left back we don't sign a left back that can play in four different positions and I think the club are going to look to try and bring in quality uh, how you do that without selling a marquee player, I don't know, because we, we're not a rich football club. But I just cannot see um, Fleming being sold. Although if the right offer comes in, I, I think that's where you really would see real quality be signed because you'd have some money yeah, to do it. Hopefully, but yeah, but I don't know. Anyway, look, it, it's it's nearly 10 o'clock. It'll be, it's going to be um, time for us to... Uh, so thank you very much and close down because I've got to edit this and get this out for the morning. Um, but before we go, um, I'd like to put on record our thanks to um, Bennett. Um, he was a good player for us, um, committed himself and Malone um, with a couple of times he, he played for us and, and wish you all the best um, going forward uh, in what you do next. Um, you never know, you might re-sign on Resign with us on a loan or something next season. It doesn't surprise me with this club. But the um, the other thing I'd like to say is that Tim uh, is uh, Tom Simmons, who used to be the club's um, secretary for many years, especially when I was found on the board, uh, has sadly passed away this week. Um, and I'd like to just offer condolences from the pub to um, his boy, um, his son Martin, and obviously the rest of the, the family. Um, he was um, very, very helpful, um, very genuinely nice bloke, uh, a Millwall fan. And, um, yeah, he was at the club for a lot, a lot of years. And uh, it's very, very sad news. Um, I think he had a, a, a few months of, of illness and, and unfortunately he's passed now. But, listen, um, thoughts with you, but you're... Uh, you'll definitely be joining some of the Millwall legends who uh, hopefully you'll be watching them play now um, going forward. So, yeah. Um, right, gents, that is it for another Mickey, episode. just before just before on, we, we finish, just a couple of things on what you just said there. Also, with Scott Malone and anyone that was there, I will never forget his goal at QPR. Um, it was in his, his first spell with us. So um, shout out to Scott Malone because that was an unbelievable goal and the scenes in the QPR end were were incredible. And also for the 467th episode in a row, Mickey managed to get in that he's fan on the board. So uh, we'll be going for the 469th episode uh, the next time we are live. 
And, and that's um, me done. And I'd just like to say thank you very much to everyone who does listen to us. Please make sure you subscribe to all our channels. Um, and, uh, yeah, YouTube and the podcast and TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and everything else. Um, we're never going to ask you for a pound note. We, uh, we've got other ways of making sure we run this, so that's fine. Um, but we just like you. If you want to say thanks to us, please just give us a subscribe, a retweet, etc., etc. That means the world to us. We will be back later this week. Um, I'm now going to stitch Stephen up by giving him some show topics for him to do just to make him uh, pain sweat and uh, think of something of what he's told us in the group while I will air on the next show. So make sure you're listening to find how I'm going to get back to Stephen. Uh, Revenge is sweet. It's a meal best served cold. Thank you very much for taking time out your Sunday evening, listening to us. Um, I don't think I've missed anyone's comments just before we go, because otherwise our shows are all about you. No, I think that's pretty much it. That's it then. We're done. This show will be out as a podcast in the morning. And uh, that's it. Have a nice week at work. And uh, we'll see you later on in the week with a show. If you've got any show ideas you want us to do, just drop us a DM or, uh, yeah, drop us a DM rather than giving the competition any uh, any updates on it. So, yeah. See you later, gents. Bye-bye.